You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Ironman. I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Thanks a lot for joining us and making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We're free and available to you on all platforms, and we did the breakdown Super Bowl 56 in depth. We finally have a Super Bowl 56 results. Congratulations to the Rams and their fans. They win 23-20, a thriller with a Cooper Cup winning touchdown. Sound familiar? He was delivering for the Rams all regular season long. He delivered for his fantasy football managers all season long. So not a surprise that Cooper Cup has another big game, two touchdowns. Doesn't get 100 receiving yards, but still goes off in the Super Bowl even when he was the focus of attention. So he was the game MVP. We'll talk about that in depth of the Rams and the takeaways from their victory, then the Bengals and what happened with their heartbreaking loss, where these teams go from there. So that's what this episode will be about. And we'll also look at the Super Bowl 57 odds there. It's uh, not too early to look at that. If you know, if you uh, pick the Rams there, you got pretty good value because they were not the favorites. You had the Chiefs and Buccaneers and Packers, some other teams there. So pick the four-seed Rams, you were looking good. If you pick the four-seed Bengals to get to the Super Bowl, win the AFC Championship, you also had a nice little payout. Unfortunately, you didn't get that long shot all the way there. But if you'd hitched your bets a little bit between the Rams and Bengals, you'd be in good shape. Even if you pick the Bengals to start the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl, you've been good. And same thing with the Rams here. So... That's why you want to look at uh, the favorites and look at some teams that have some intrigue that are bottom there that could make a Super Bowl run out of nowhere like Cincinnati did when a lot of teams and people didn't think they would be even a playoff team. Today's episode is brought to you by t- our title sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props and odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's uh, break down Super Bowl 56 first for you. Uh, let's uh, start again with the Rams. Uh, the running game, let's start with the bad and get that out of the way. The running game just looked like a mess here. Daryl Henderson actually had the best moments in the passing game, so they kind of used a three-headed monster. Sonny Michelle didn't touch the ball late, but Cam Akers just didn't look right. Maybe they rushed him back from the Achilles, but I don't think he's looked all that great. He had one decent game, but he had the fumbles against the Buccaneers. I think uh, Sean McVay and this team, like, I, I don't understand. Sonny Michelle had been a really strong fill-in down the stretch. And Henderson uh, was back. It's interesting that they brought him back and m- put him in the mix immediately ahead of Michelle. So that's one weakness, I think, of Sean McVay. I think he's trying to find his Todd Gurley. And I don't think any of these three guys can live up to that just because they're injury issues. The Todd Gurley, before, he kind of got ran into the ground a little bit, but... Before then, before his knees got worn down pretty quickly, he was a very prolific running back for the Rams. And he was special. I mean, Cam Akers can be special, but again, the injury derailing that a little bit, I would have maybe gone a different direction. I would expect Akers to be the guy going into next season. Sonny Michelle is a free agent. So Akers-Henderson, I don't know if they'll go to a committee split. That's not been McVay's M.O. They use 
a little bit extra of the, the mix, and part of his acres was just not very effective at all. So they had to get someone in the passing game to work, and I think that's why Henderson got a few more. That Akers is a capable pass catcher, but they need a little bit of juice. Henderson was the fresh legs and not being worked on in the playoffs, and Michelle, we know his strength is not catching football. But Michelle's not going to be back. They signed him for insurance here. If they have Akers and Henderson and no issues there, I think they would draft a back maybe. They just don't have the salary cap room to carry a guy like Sonny Michel, who's probably played himself into a decent committee role somewhere else. So that's number one. All right, number two is that Cooper Cup, what can you say? Will he duplicate the season? Probably not. It's really hard, triple crown. He's getting a little older, so you think he'd slow down a little bit? I still think he's an elite wide receiver one. I think he's going to still finish in the top five, but I don't know if he's going to dominate as much as he did this year. It's just very hard to do. When we have career years, it is tough to duplicate. You try to do your best. It doesn't matter if you're a quarterback, wide receiver, running back, or tight end. That's why it's a career year. It's special. That's it. I mean, Cooper Cup is still a good bet for double-digit touchdowns, well over 1,400, 1,500 yards, and definitely a good chunk of receptions uh, past the century mark. So he's going to be fine. Is he going to dominate that much more than the next closest receiver? Probably not. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup have great chemistry. We can't deny that. But a lot of Cup's production was based on the fact that Robert Woods, a very similar receiver, was out for a lot of the season. Odell Beckham Jr. came on, but he was a more of a complimentary number two, and we saw that all the way. And that's why Beckham succeeded in Los Angeles. He had the nice arm of Stafford, more competent quarterback play than he had with Baker Mayfield, but he also wasn't the guy. He was playing off very favorable co- coverages there. So now we'll see what happens with Odell. This is a very tough situation. When you get ruled out with a non-contact knee injury, especially to his left knee, he had two catches for 52 yards and a touchdown before he left the game. So he was rolling. He was—he might have uh, had a shot at Super Bowl MVP or at least challenging Cup for the best wide receiver in the game. I mean, he had 52 yards, and consider that Cup only had 92, and he played the whole game and had eight catches and 10 targets. So Odell is a big decision, but maybe the decision was made for them because if it's a knee, especially the left one, which he had already hurt before in his career, kind of slowed him down a little bit. A lot of Beckham's plays you saw, he was wide open. When the touchdown happened, he just ran a simple route and they threw it to him and he was open over Mike Hilton. When he was open in the other play, there was just a soft coverage there where he found a seam between three defenders. So it's not like he was making exceptional Odell Beckham Jr.-like plays. He's just complimenting and getting open and making those plays. I'm not taking anything away from what he does, but it's a lot easier when you have a guy like Cooper Cup there. Jarvis Landry is was a good target that people have to pay attention to, but he's not Cooper Cup with the way that he's number one. So Beckham looked like he'd settled in nicely as the number two, but there's a lot of reasons they wouldn't bring him back. With Robert Woods, they've invested a lot of money in Woods and Cup. This team is not in very good salary cap situation, so knee injury, questionable. Odell might want to explore his options elsewhere. They can't pay him what he wants. Some other team might want to overpay him here in free agency. So I think the Rams will be very careful, especially with that injury with Odell. And we'll see if he can ever be the same. I know injuries have hurt him, the sports hernia surgery, the knee they're racking up here, and another one comes here. He's getting closer to 30 here. So, yeah, a lot of crossroads here that uh, the Rams are meeting with Odell Beckham Jr. But if Robert Woods is okay in his recovery, they'll just put Woods back and go there. Now, Van Jefferson Jr., he's pretty good. I think he just needs to settle into a more reliable role here. I think he was a better big playmaker early, but then he kind of tailed off, and his usage also was not consistent when... Odell become a big became a bigger factor as Woods went on the shelf for that his own knee injury. So 
A lot of things to watch there. We'll see about Bennett Skoranek. He's a bit uh, unreliable here. I thought you'd see a little bit more of Kendall Blanton, but we didn't see him. You saw Bryson Hopkins. That's a guy that we're going to keep an eye on. A very athletic tight end that I liked coming out of college here. I thought he was going to have a big role. Tyler Higby, by the way, ended up on injured reserve and didn't play in this game with a knee injury. So they didn't really throw the tight end much, but they had one play to Bryson Hopkins that I thought, hey, this kid has juice. Hey, I forgot about him, that he was on this team, that he can be, especially a Brad Hopkins, whose uh, dad was in the NFL as an offensive lineman. So good athletic pedigree here for Bryson Hopkins. So we'll watch him, Blanton and Higby, how this plays out at tight end, post-Gerald Everett, who moved on this year to Seattle there. So Higby didn't really take advantage of that, partly because it was an all-wide receiving game here for the Rams, and he had domination for Cooper Cup and either Woods or Beckham complimenting him with Jefferson making plays and the other receivers involved. So 11 personnel team for the most part. Team that, even if they use two tight ends, mainly for blocking, but Bryson Hopkins might change that outlook if Van Jefferson remains limited there in his downfield skills, and they get Woods back, but not Beckham in this mix. All right, so we talked about those two. Matthew Stafford is fine. He's a QB1. He's going to finish in the top 10 for sure, no matter what you do. They're just past too much. This offense is too good. He's that kind of profile in fantasy football. Keep in mind, even the Lions, he was consistently a QB1 because of prolific numbers, and that's not going to change. Defensively, the Rams will be on point here. I think they'll make some upgrades to the draft, but you have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. We'll see about Von Miller. I think if they're going to keep someone now, for sure, it has to be Von Miller. Two sacks there with Aaron Donald. Seven sacks in the game. Their linebackers are underrated. I, I mentioned a little bit of Troy Reader, but I really like uh, Jones in the game. He was very active blitz, so maybe not as hopeful, hopeless at linebacker. I think Taylor Rapp could help them at safety a little bit more. Darius Williams, however, is a free agent, so they're going to have to figure out number two corner. Jalen Ramsey didn't have a great Super Bowl. I know the one play was a face mask, but got toasted by Jamar Chase just by being more talented with the arm catch there that set up the field goal and then the long 75-yard touchdown by T. Higgins. So we'll get into that in a while, but the number two corners are going to be a priority. Maybe getting a little bit more safety help to shore that up if Rapp is not the answer. Linebacker's been pretty good. I think they can add a little bit more to that, but uh, Jones gives them a playmaker there that they like. So we'll see. The The safeties are much maligned, and Nick Scott and Rapp, that's what they have to maybe consider. But again, the offense will be fa- fine with Stafford Cup being in their key roles. Robert Wood should return to being a pretty effective wide receiver too here in fantasy, and uh, Beckham probably gone from Los Angeles. All right, we will uh, break down the Bengals and uh, their Super Bowl performance and what that means in our next segment. Before we do that here on Locked on Fantasy Football, i got to tell you more about Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. This is the time of year I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like I'm not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. If you try the puffs, you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the best First ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallow, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy, cinnamon, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. These are going to be your new favorites. All Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, yes, puffs included. 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein. 
Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Built.com and scroll down the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 net carbs, and packed with 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, Built Bar will make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it tastes delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. The only way to get on Built Bar is go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15, 15% off only at Built.com. All right, let's uh, look at the Bengals here in the Super Bowl 56. Unfortunately, they couldn't pull it off. They got 20 points here. They didn't score after early in the third quarter. The touchdowns went there to T. Higgins, both of them. The first one was a Joe Mixon trick play, the Cincy special in the first half that got the Bengals offense kind of sparked there to get their first score. That wasn't a field goal. And then you also had the long 75-yard touchdown burning Jalen Ramsey on the first play from scrimmage in the second half there for the Bengals. So T. Higgins, a monster game, and T. Higgins uh, had a great playoffs. I mean, he just proved how valuable he was as a wide receiver, too, with a bullet. Jamar Chase had one big play, but he was contained for the most part in this game. Overall, the Bengals had a lot of pass protection issues. We'll get to that in a moment, but Chase locked in at a wide receiver one. I think Higgins has a chance to also finish in the top 12 next year as well. We talked about that. They're co-number ones to me. Tyler Boyd just doesn't see the ball enough in key situations. He's a slot guy, but a lot of Chase and Higgins, a lot like uh, Cup and Woods are here, but yeah, I think Cup and Woods, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, here you might actually have two wide receiver ones based on how much the Bengals throw the football, so nice game for Mixon, he had a throw, throwing touchdown here, so that saved his day, didn't have a big rushing day, but he had a good yardage day overall here for the Bengals, I thought they could have stuck with him a little bit more, maybe got a little too conservative at times, but they also got too aggressive at other times, so Joe Mixon got a, could, have get a, could have gotten a few more touches, so offensive output, disappointing. And those sacks caught up to them seven more, 70 times for Joe Burrow here. So that's unacceptable. you got to keep your quarterback upright. they got to scare because he got rolled again near his knee there. So that was not good when Von Miller sacked him on, I think, sack number five or six, somewhere in that range. But it was just... Uh, Hard to watch. I thought it was over for Joe Burrow, and he was going to come in. But he came back, gutted it out, made a few nice plays, but in the end got pressured again and got rattled a few more times there by Aaron Donald and Juan Miller. So good state there. Joe Mixon looking really good. He's an RB1. We know that. He's in his prime. Has maybe a couple more good years left there. Chasing Higgins, I think Tyler Boyd has a good chance to finish as a wide receiver three again. If it's intact, they've got enough money, unlike the Rams, to keep things intact here. So you'll see the Bengals being very similar to this year with what they do. CJ Zama, very occasional receiver at the most here for the Bengals. So, yeah, so and Joe Burrow, we know he's a QB1. So it'll be interesting, Burrow or Stafford in the draft next year in fantasy football. And I would go Burrow just because of maybe even more passing volume. The Rams still like to run the ball and have a better defense. The Bengals have a pretty good defense, and it showed up here pretty well, made some good plays. They got a break with Odell Beckham Jr. going down. I think the Rams might have pulled away and made some big plays there and uh, 
and move the ball consistently because they were using it in the short passing game, but then they got too cute with the running game that wasn't working in the downfield passing game. But that defense has some playmakers back there. They can keep things intact. Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, I think it'll get better. DJ Rager in the middle, BJ Hill, Larry Ogunjobi coming back up front. Logan Wilson looks like a great IDP player. He's very active at linebacker, so... They got players all over the place. Eli Apple probably will be replaced here. And, and they've tried. I mean, they did get Trey Waynes there. They do have Trey Flowers. So we'll see if Waynes' returns can be somewhat ineffective. Hard to say that because he's been pretty much injured since he arrived in Cincinnati. But they got something there with Chidobe Ouzier on the outside and Mike Hilton in the slot. So at least two good corners. They got to shore up the third one with Eli Apple. Linebacker could get a little bit more help there, maybe replacing Marcus Bailey with Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson. But this team, pretty intact. Everything's going to be in fantasy-wise. So carried over pretty much with the Bengals here to keep from uh, staying an upstart to being a special team next year. So now let's quickly look at these two teams, Super Bowl 57 odds and where they stand right now. The Rams are actually third on the board with plus 1,000 in most places, and plus 1,100 for the Bengals. So these are third and fourth here behind the Chiefs and the Bills. So very interesting there that you're not going to get any good value in going with Rams or Bengals to win Super Bowl 57. We're definitely not going to get it with the Chiefs and Bills. So interesting that you have three out of four AFC teams make the top, and the Rams are up there. And uh, look, the Rams are going to lose a little bit. It's going to be really tough in the NFC. It's got a lot of parity with the 49ers and Packers and Cowboys and Buck. Buccaneers are going to drop off here, so that changes things. So that's why we like the Rams, because one of the competitors is gone. Buccaneers, 49ers might be in transition with Trey Lance. Aaron Rodgers, we'll see what happens with him. The Cowboys are the Cowboys, hard to trust there. So that's why the Rams are so high up as the top NFC team on the board at plus 1,000, and they're gaining momentum here as the Super Bowl champs, but Bengals not far behind at plus 1,100. All right, we will uh, finish breaking down... uh, this game for you and look at Super Bowl 57 and the other teams that you can look at by the odds in our final segment. Speaking of the odds, football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, players' performance props to see where the next coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use a mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's close the show, rounding out our odds. So we said the Chiefs and Bills, Chiefs plus 610, Bills plus 665, they're ahead of the Rams, plus 1,100, Bengals, Rams at plus 1,000, Bengals at plus 11 there for you. Now let's go down the line here, the 49ers around plus 1,400. We'll see Trey Lance could give them a high ceiling and upside and have a Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes like year two, even though he didn't start in year one. So something to watch out there. The Buccaneers, you can't take them. But plus 1,500, they have an uncertain quarterback situation without Tom Brady. Can't go there. Maybe they're thinking there with this number that they'll make a blockbuster deal or something because the Packers are right behind them with Aaron Rodgers at plus 1,600. So guess who has good juice here is the the Packers right now at plus 1,600. We have to presume Rodgers is coming back. He has one more year on his deal. He got appeased last year. He needs to keep Devontae Adams around. So they figure they're going to franchise tag him for one more year. Then he can go wherever he wants. So plus 1600 for the Packers, that's pretty good value. So is the plus 1700 for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott 
and this team could put it together to make a run, and they were a strong playoff team this year. So plus 1,600 for Packers, plus 1,700 for Cowboys, something we'll look at for odds. The Broncos at plus 2,000, so maybe people flexing a little bit and knowing maybe something about Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett and Denver and all that. So interesting, the Broncos are plus 2,000. I mean, there's that's the only reason it can be here, so they go that five. Tennessee Titans, not interested at all, plus 2,000. The the Los Angeles Chargers, yes. They have Justin Herbert, another young gun in the AFC, plus 2,100. Brandon Staley from that Sean McVay and Zach Taylor combination, the tree and all that. So I do love that team. So I don't like the Broncos and Titans at plus 2,000, but the Chargers at plus 2,100 have appealed to me as a bit of a long shot, but also right there in the realm with their Packers being at plus 1,600. Those are my two favorites. The Patriots could be back, but I don't trust Mac Jones. He's a plus 2,400. The Ravens are not bad at 20, plus 2,200. Can't stay with the Cardinals at 2,600 or the Colts at 2,700. Unknown quarterback situation. So that's the ones we want to avoid where we don't know what's going to be going on. So, yeah, you can't go with the Browns and Baker Mayfield. You can't go with the Saints not knowing who their quarterback is. So let's keep going down here. The Eagles are somewhat interesting at plus 4,000. They've done a surprise run themselves there. We've seen it there to win over the Patriots just a few years ago. So plus 4,000. Eagles, I don't totally buy into Jalen Hurts, but this is a pretty good defensive team. They did win enough to make the playoffs this year, so something to watch there if they can make the right spending. Seahawks, we'll see. Russell Wilson's always dangerous. Can he get help? Can they adjust? We'll see about that. We're dropping down. I'm not interested the Raiders or Dolphins at 4,200. They with the transition in coaching. Same thing with the Vikings at 4,800. The Pittsburgh Steelers are entering, interesting to me at plus 4,900. We know how special their defense can be, especially the pass rush. They shore up their run defense, get a complimentary quarterback with a young arm, even if it's a young kid with those weapons. Steelers. Steelers, yeah. Sticking with the AFC North, that's a team that I'm looking at for sure. Plus 4,900 as a long shot. That's very intriguing depending on who they get at quarterback. But this team is pretty loaded around the quarterback. You have Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Freemuth. Offensive line will get an upgrade. Their run defense will get an upgrade here in the draft. We know Kevin Colbert and Mike, Tolbert will, Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert, I should say, will, will get this right. So I, I trust them. The Steelers have that profile of a team that can win it all with Tomlin. So, yeah, that's why I like them at plus 4,900. Washington Commanders, I think, are a bit underrated. We'll see where they end up at quarterback here. But if they get Russell Wilson, something like that, plus 5,300, very interesting there. But looking at the rest, Justin Fields and the Bears, you could look at them. Matt Eberflus, I really respect as a coach, at plus 6,900. New York Giants, you can't go there, plus 8,200. Before then, you had the Panthers and Falcons, plus 63, plus 64, not going there. And then we round out with the Jaguars, Lions, Jets, and Texans. Nowhere going near any of those teams at the bottom. So as low as I can go that I feel really good about for putting a little bit of bet out there is the Pittsburgh Steelers, plus 4,900. I like that number a lot. Again, track record, Super Bowl winning coaches. I mentioned the Seahawks, same thing at plus 4,000. If Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson can work it out. Eagles are very interesting there. Going up, uh, then I do think the Ravens have a little bit extra appeal than the Patriots here. The Chargers with Justin Herbert. And then that Packers-Cowboys-Broncos combo uh, there is interesting as well to me, but leaning more to the Packers being your favorite shot that you want to take 
and, and the Chargers as the medium range, and then the Steelers as your long shot. So there you go. If you're looking for Super Bowl 57 action already to see who's going to win it here in 2022. So that wraps up this edition of Locked on Fantasy Football. Our, uh, it's our post-Super Bowl edition here on the show. Now, we have a lot to talk about. Now, we're in full off-season mode here, so we've got a lot to talk about. Free agency, the draft, we won't stop talking about it here on Locked on Fantasy Football. So thanks so much for making us our, your first lesson every day. I will tease this. We will do our look at the free agent class here. So I did do the ranking of the top 50 free agents, the best players by position as well at sportingnews.com. So we'll break that down from a fantasy football perspective, including Odell Beckham Jr., Chris Godwin, a lot of uh, interesting names on that list. So we'll break it down by position for you. So we'll go through it, just straight down the line, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end there for you and uh, see how they can affect situations. And with quarterback, we'll throw in... The guys that can move around trades as well to make it juicy. So we'll go, we'll go through those four positions of free agency, do a fantasy spin on that for you the rest of the week. Now go make your second listen Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with the expert analysis of uh, gambling expert Lee Sterling. It is a great show here to uh, get you in on futures and all that. We'll sure they'll be talking about Super Bowl futures and also looking at uh, other sports as well now that are in season and got games. But... We're happy that you were with us all season long when we had games. We had extra week even in fantasy football. We got through the playoffs, a lot of good excitement there. So season's over, but we got to get grinding for 2022, and that's what we're going to do. Advanced scouting all offseason long here on Lockdown Fantasy Football. For Lockdown Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great Monday, and uh, we'll catch you tomorrow as we start looking at free agents and the 2022 NFL offseason. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.